All right. Pastor Tim here with all of God's people. Hope you're all having an amazing night so far. Um, I'm having a good week. You know, the week basically closed um, for many of us because tomorrow's Good Friday. So I'm sure for some of you have days off work or, you know, for those of you who have kids, probably kids off school or what have you. So um, we're glad. We thank God for, you know, a shorter week and the fact that it's come to an end here with um, tomorrow being Good Friday. There's a lot to remember um, about the Lord, especially when we talk about uh, Good Friday and we talk about, you know, God's goodness. Obviously, we think a lot about the resurrection of Christ on a day like today. Uh, we think about, you know, the fact that he was on Good Friday. You know, it's the day that we, you know, remember the day that he was crucified or he was laid in the cross. He was uh, laid from the cross into the grave, I should say. And um, it connotes a lot of strong and emotes a lot of strong emotions within us. So when we think about that and what Jesus did. But at the end of the day, a large part of what Jesus did this for was, of course, to reconcile us to God. But to reconcile us that we should be a living sacrifice to God. Jesus wants our lives to be a sacrifice to him. He wants, you know, the way that we live our lives to be something that we uh, present unto God. That we show to the Lord and say to the Lord our God. You know, do what you will with my life. That's what we are called to do. That's what we are um, required to do. What God asks of his people. So tonight, as we kind of move forward in um, taking a look at the word of God here over the next several minutes, definitely note that I'll be calling upon you to raise a hand by hitting star five or whatever uh, to be able to chime in on the conversation. Uh, and to be able to speak with regard to the things that you um, have been learning, or things that come to your mind, the questions you might have as you look at the scripture here. So we're going to be in the book of Romans today, Romans uh, chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 1. So it says in here in Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, it is too much to ask. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you, you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimation of yourself, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. This is our bodies of many parts, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body. Each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. I'm going to pause there for a moment and see if anybody has sort of an initial reaction to that or any thoughts about that. You can hit star five to chime in. For those who just joined, by the way, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 12. We started in verse 1, and we read down some six or seven verses. Um, so Romans, chapter 12, and verse 1, um, for those who just called in a moment ago. Uh, but what I want to say again is that as we look at those verses and we read what the Word of God says, to the extent anybody has any commentary, questions about it, or thoughts just in general that, that come to your mind as you read and you think about these verses, definitely feel free to, to speak up. 
But again, it says, to give our bodies to God, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. I think one of the key takeaways from this is the notion that there's a certain kind of sacrifice the Lord will accept, which means that there's also a certain kind of sacrifice he doesn't accept. And the way that God wants us to be is a living and a holy sacrifice. The key to us being the kind of sacrifice or living the life that is a kind of sacrifice that God will accept is that there's a certain level of holiness to it. Now, that doesn't require that we be perfect, um, but the term holiness quite literally means set apart. Like uh, the example I like to use is like you think of the fine china someone may have in their house. It's not ordinary. It's not run-of-the-mill. It's set apart. It's, it's special. You you treat it differently. You, you handle it more delicately. It's um, yeah, it's treated with more care, if you will, um, because it's set apart. It's, it's holy, if you will, in a sense. And I know you don't think of Tupperware or, or, or fine china or whatever the case may be as, as being holy in that sense, but I use that analogy to give you a sense. God's saying don't be just like everybody else in the world. Be set apart. Be different. Uh, be unique in a sense. And then when you're being unique through your love for God and love for others and et cetera, then you're being the kind of sacrifice that he will accept. It says when you think of that and all he's done for you, it's not really too much to ask. And I think that approach is so critical for us to, to be mindful of, is that we're called to be a living and holy sacrifice that God accepts. And I think that that is something worth us giving some thought towards. Again, just the notion that we want to be the kind of individual uh, that God uh, will accept. And we want to be able to estimate ourselves. It says be honest in the word of God in your estimation of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. So as we move towards this process of living a more holy and righteous uh, life before God to become the kind of sacrifice that he'll accept, you know, we're supposed to um, be honest in estimating basically how well we're doing in terms of achieving that goal. So if the goal is to be a living sacrifice that God accepts, then the step that, you know, kind of comes after that, or that actually precedes that, I should say, is to be honest in our estimation of ourselves. That means looking at ourselves and saying, what kind of things do I need to adjust or change so that I can become a better living sacrifice before God? I think it's very, very important to talk about this. And, you know, it's awkward sometimes to, to bring up such topics to say, well, hey, what type of things do we need to change about ourselves? And, and some people think that it's negative to think that way or to think there's something about ourselves we need to change or that we need to clean up areas of our lives that we need to ask God to perfect us in certain ways. But the truth of the matter is better to ask God now what we need to change and better for us to be mindful of it now and to be mindful of it in the moment of truth when we're standing before the Lord um, to have our lives evaluated and or judged, right? I would much rather be in a position now to think about these things than to be worried about it later when it's too late. And so the notion of us being mindful of this at this particular moment in time is just a wise approach. It's the wisest thing we can do. And so I just want to encourage somebody in that today. And that let's, let's, let's be honest in our estimation of ourselves um, by looking on the lives and saying, is this the kind of sacrifice? Is my life the kind of sacrifice that God will accept? That's really what it comes down to. That's really what it's all about. Well, I'm not sure if anybody had any commentary, thoughts, or comments about that. Um, feel free to hit the star five function on your phone. Hit the star icon in five. That'll let me know you want to raise a hand and chime in um, with some comments um, or things of that nature. But the second verse of Romans 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person 
by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. So I think this verse is very, very important because one of the key things that that Christians want to um, understand and want to know is what God wants them to do. Uh, Once you become a Christian, uh, one of the key things that you'll start thinking or finding yourself thinking about, and indeed one of the key things that you'll hear Christians constantly talk about in the church is, you know, what does God want me to do? People go around saying, well, God wants me to do X, Y, or he wants me to do Z, or God doesn't want me to do A, B, or C. And there's quite a bit of merit behind the notion of knowing what God wants for us to do. Um, But the Word of God says that not that it's important for us not to copy the behavior and customs of the world, but to let God transform us into new creation, to let him renew our mind, to let him make us into different people. And it says once we let God do that, once we allow him to transform us, then and only then will we be able to know what God wants us to do. And so it's important to to be in recognition of the fact that one doesn't know what it is that God wants them to do until the point when they allow God to transform them, to transform them into a new person by changing the way we think. I think that's critical. You know, the Lord doesn't transform us by making us, you know, more talented. You know, when he wants to transform you and he wants to get you, you know, towards your manifest destiny, he may not make you more talented. He may not make you taller. may not make you more handsome or more beautiful. You know, he may not even open up, you know, some type of, you know, incredible new door or have you strike the lottery or something like that. When God wants to transform you into something new, the way he's going to start it is by transforming the way that you think. And I think actually that's going to be a prayer point that I would like for us to pray over ourselves, that God would transform the way that we think. Because it's the way that we think that holds us back a lot. It keeps us from knowing what God wants us to do, and it holds us back in a bevy of other ways as well. So let's see if we can get to a place in our lives where we allow the Lord our God to change how we actually think and how we perceive things. To change how we think so our subconscious mind is in a good stead. That's what this is all about. So I'll pause right there. I'm not sure if anyone has any thoughts, comments, questions about anything we just looked at here, but I think a pretty important passage, and for those who just joined, we're in Romans chapter 12. We started in verse 1, read the first six or so verses. Um, but his star five, if you have any comments, if you have any questions about any of the things we've just talked through thus far. Now, we go looking ahead to verse 6. Um, it says here that God has given us, given each of us, the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection. And delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble. And always be prayerful. Wow. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. And get into the habit of inviting guests to your home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. 
So there's a lot here in this passage. I think one of the key things I like to point out whenever we're looking at Romans 12 is the fact that God's given you each an ability to do certain things well, and the things that God's given you the ability to do are not things to be taken for granted. If you look at the list of the things that the Lord says he gave people to do, there's a list of things that, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that is um, particularly, it doesn't look like the kind of things that are that are noteworthy necessarily, right? It doesn't say God made some people, you know, amazing athletes and he made others, you know, amazing poet laureates and he made others, you know, um, genius inventors. Those things definitely fall within the scope of that which God has given someone the ability to do well. But note what the kinds of things that are being referenced here. It says God's given some the ability to encourage others, to share money, to be leaders, or even to show kindness. Now, we may not think of encouraging, encouraging others or showing kindness as an ability that God has given to us. But according to the scripture, it literally says, our ability to encourage people is coming from the Lord. Your ability to be kind to somebody is an ability that God gave you, so don't waste it. Many of us think our personality traits are just given at random. But the Lord, if you look at the scripture, clearly shows that actually every single component of who you are is given to you by God. Every single component of what you do well, I should say, is given to you by the Lord. So, what do people think about that? Hit star five if you have a comment, if you have a question on your phone. Um, or for those of you, some of you, I think your phones are already unmuted. You can just speak up if you like. Um, but the key thing is, you know, what do we make of the notion that God has all given us the ability to do certain things well? Can any of you, you know, think of things that, you know, you either do well or you see others doing well that you know is a gift from God? Do you have any comments about that? Hit star five. Jump in on the conversation. Because, um, you know, I definitely notice a lot of, of strong God-giving characteristics in his people through work at the church and through getting to know even some of you in terms of what you're skilled at. But I want to hear from some of you. What do you all think? Can you identify certain characteristics God may have given you to do well? Can you identify characteristics you may have given to others? Do you notice others doing well? And also, what do you think about the idea that God um, allows um, us to do even seemingly normal things, you know, um, as, a, as a part of the gifts he's given us? Cat, uh, go ahead. I do think that people do inherit a lot of these gifts, and some of them really are gifts when you think about patience and being faithful and making commitments. But a lot of things I know that people will say uh, to one another, I really have to pray about working on such and such a thing. So maybe they know they have them, but they acknowledge it, but they say, I still don't do it well. So I know I have this gift, but I have to pray to do it better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well said. And that's a good, that's definitely a great comment, Pat. I like it. I like it. Does anybody else have any thoughts about this topic? Anybody else want to add maybe to what Kat was saying? I mean, you can hit star five on your phone, star icon, then follow button number five if you would like to jump in. Be happy to hear what others might be thinking about this. Um, 
But it's true. There's a lot to be said about the notion of God and the gifts he's given each and every one of us, for sure. And if anybody else has any other thoughts, definitely um, jump in and let us know. But I want to uh, just continue um, in reading on and taking a look at some other passages of Scripture um, that I think can be, you know, very incredibly, you know, helpful. Um, as we kind of like think about what the Lord wants from us and what he expects from, from us. Um, one of the things we understand um, is that the Lord um, calls us to high standards. Um, he calls us to high standards and um, in order to have high, you know, in order to adhere to the standards that he wants for us, as, as Paul was saying, where we get to evaluate ourselves, it requires, you know, a strong level of discipline. And, we talked about this verse a little bit earlier from Romans, um, I mean, First Corinthians, rather, chapter 9. But I'm just going to repeat it again as something to just encourage your hearts and just to um, enhance, you know, your experience with the Lord as we kind of look here. First Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Remember that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And so Paul, who was such a strong believer, understood the notion that it's possible to preach to people and be disqualified. I think about that sometimes, but I can sit here and preach the Bible and teach it to people, you know, 12 hours a day if I want, and I can still end up being disqualified at the end of the the day, you know, because the Lord, um, Jesus put it like this. He said the deciding factor isn't whether people look or sound religious. They sound like they're religious leaders at times, but the deciding factor is whether they obey the Father. So Paul is looking at it from the same perspective. He's saying, you know, I can preach this word, but if I'm not obeying God because I'm not showing discipline, my life and saying no to things I should say no to and yes to things I should say yes to, I can be disqualified. And the reason why that's a tie into the verse we were looking at earlier is because remember what the verse said. It said, be honest in your evaluation, essentially, of yourself, measuring your worth by how much faith you have. The first part of that statement, be honest in your evaluation of yourself, was a plea to get us to be real about figuring out whether or not we would be essentially qualified or disqualified on the basis of our faithfulness to the Lord. So when Paul, I was here talking about, um, he fears that he could preach this word and still end up being disqualified. Um, He's hearkening back to prior words um, that relate to the notion that, you know, we need to um, be a living sacrifice to God and to evaluate whether we're being living sacrifice, we need to be real with ourselves about whether or not we're really um, making it to the mark. And, you know, there's really not much value in a Christian faith that teaches us or in a a school of thought within Christianity that teaches us that it's not important to evaluate ourselves and to ensure that we're putting our best foot forward. Um, There's really no value in that. The notion that we should just kind of whimsically go about our days, you know, as Christians and believe in we accepted Christ there, that, that that's it, that's all there is to it, and we don't have to, you know, make any 
you know, effort or any strides to try our best to, to give God our all, you know, it would be wrong. You know, the Word of God says that, and we read it earlier for those of you who aren't there from Romans, um, it was saying that, look, you know, be a living sacrifice to God. After all he's done, is that too much to ask? That was the exact um, wording that was used there. And so I think that that's very important for us um, to be in remembrance of. It's just a notion that we're here, we're serving the Lord, uh, we need to be eva- evaluating ourselves and ensuring that we're doing a good job. There's nothing else that we would do um, that matters to us that's a value that we, where we wouldn't evaluate the job that we're doing. You know, you would never, you know, just go to school and never take a look and see how you did with your grades. That wouldn't make any sense. You know, then you could be flunking in the class. You wouldn't even know. I mean, it just wouldn't make any sense, right? You don't go to work and then not ever get a performance review. Eventually, your boss or whoever is going to give you a performance review. Even if you own your own company, eventually, you would take a look at the financials. You would take a look and see, like, how are we doing? How, how, how did our sales go? You would go evaluate yourself at some point. And Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying the same way. An athlete trains their body and looks at the looks for the results. See, how, hey, are they winning the race? The same way um, that you'd go to work and then you'd have to have a performance review to make sure that you're kind of up to snuff. The same way Christ asks us to do the same with our own life, within our own lives. We understand His standards because we have His Word, and what's important for us to be able to do is to take a look at the Word and then say, all right, on the basis upon this, what I need to do now is make these following steps in adherence to what Christ has for me. Now, with that being said, I want to know what you all think. You can hit star five if you have a comment. I'd be encouraging any of you to jump in on this. But the Bible says to train your body to do what it should, to train yourself like an athlete, it says, teaching your body to do what it ought to do. What do you all think about that? It's an interesting way to describe the process of drawing near to God, but what does that make people think of when you think about that process? If you have any thoughts, you can hit the star icon, you can hit five on your phone, and we can get into that. Um, I'm going to leave some time, obviously, for us to be able to pray and take your prayer requests, and there's certain prayers I want to pray over you um, before we move forward and things of that nature. But before that, before that, I want to know if there's anybody who has any comments about this notion that we are all to practice um, the process of showing that strict self-control to discipline ourselves like an athlete does. Uh, if anyone has any thoughts about that, hit star five. Um, but in lieu of that, um, what we can do here is, is get ready to pray. I want to pray over you all, and then I want to leave ample time for anybody who may have a prayer request. This is a praying ministry after all, so we've had some time to look at the Word of God here for the first half hour, and I want to leave the remaining time for just basically your prayer for those of you who have prayer requests you want to bring up. We have at least one that uh, our sister Kat mentioned earlier regarding COVID, so we'll cover that. But if anybody else has a prayer request for anything in the world, hit star five. So let me see that your hand is up, and we'll pray for you today. I'll pray for everybody more broadly before we kind of get to individualized prayers. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. I want to thank you, Father, you taught us to be a living sacrifice to you. Help us, Father, to do that. Help us to evaluate ourselves with honesty. Help us, Heavenly Father, to live a life that is for you and for you only. Not a selfish life for a God, not a life for a God that is for all these other things, but may we live a life for a God that is um, functionally and primarily for you, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, because of who you are. We appreciate you, Heavenly Father, because of the goodness you've shown us. 
We ask you, Lord God, just to touch the heart of your children. Ensure that your children, Heavenly Father, are in pursuit of you, hot pursuit of you, Lord God. I pray, O Heavenly Father, that we won't take no for an answer when it comes to finding you. That we'll knock on every door until uh, we, we find you, until we receive the answers that you have in store for us. The word says to knock and you will enter. Father, come into our lives. Let your light into our lives. Strengthen us, Lord God, in our lives. Let our minds become clear. Your word says that we, if we allow you to transform us by transforming the way that we think, then we'll know what you want us to do. Father, many of us need a transformation in our thought lives today. Heavenly Father, I know I need one, and I'm certain there are many others, Lord God, uh, here on this call tonight who, who want and long for that transformation of God to transform their thoughts. Because that's what we want. We want a, a daily renewal. The Word says to renew our minds daily. So uh, I pray, Lord God, that everybody will have that desire to every day come before you and say, God, I want you to change the way I think today. It's not about reaching some level where we think that, you know, we don't have to do that anymore, where we think that, you know, our minds are just in this perfect um, state of, of just euphoria or whatever. We want Heavenly Father to constantly come before you and say, Lord, renew our minds in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, that we will know what you want for us to do. We ask you to transform us by transforming how we think. We ask you that our subconscious minds would, would not bring about the kind of thoughts that bring us down, but the kind of thoughts that bring us up, not the kind of thoughts that bring us fear, but the kind of um, thoughts that bring us courage and hope. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we have prayed. Amen. And lastly, we pray that we would be able to practice strict self-control, training our bodies to do what it ought to do, that none of us should be disqualified after preaching to others and going to Bible studies and doing all these Christian activities, that we would be among those who sit at the right hand of God, just like you did at the, at the supper table of Christ and his saints. Amen. Now, they prayed over that. I'm going to take some individual prayers. Hit star five if you have a prayer request. Let's start off with our sister, Julia. Hey, Julia. Hey, Julia. I'm not sure if you can hear us. You might be on mute. I saw your hand was up. So if you have a prayer request, definitely let us know. I'm not sure if we're hearing our sister Julia here. Um, well, Julia, your line's unmuted, so if you do have a question or a comment or a prayer request, um, feel free to, to, to chime in. And you might be on mute on your end, but you're not on mute on our end. Um, anyway, um, does anybody else have any other kind of like prayer requests or thoughts they would like to, to raise as, as prayer items, et cetera? Well, I want to leave as much time as we can for prayer. I do want to lift up, um, I do want to lift up the nation from a COVID perspective because our sister Kat at the beginning of this at the outset I should say of um, this meeting um, had stated that we wanted to cover that basically we wanted to cover um, the notion of praying um, with regard to, to this fact so um, let me go ahead and, and just cover the whole country because as we well know um, what's going on with the nation from just a COVID perspective has been um, a challenge to say the least, and a challenge to the least. So I want to be able to just go ahead and, and cover us with regard to that. Father, we thank you for the, the great innovation throughout the nation that have brought about you know, a variety of vaccines that make it, it a safer place to live, that more people will be able to find their lives safe, that testings are made widely available. Um, Lord God, the vaccines, while, while maybe not as widely available as we want. Certainly, we're ramping up and scaling up in that capacity. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that so many millions have had the opportunity to get well. 
We want to appreciate you, Lord, for that. We ask, Heavenly Father, right now that what you would do for us, O Heavenly King, is lift all of us up, Lord God, and, um, and, and ensure that we are above the fray when it comes to the virus. Then also, Lord God, put an end and finally quash the scourge of COVID-19 and wipe it from the face of the earth, Lord. As the warmer months come, Lord God, drive the virus out of our society. Help people, Lord God, to put an end to it. Help us, Heavenly Father, to uh, use the, the proper um, techniques used um, and leverage our medical professionals to reduce the risk. By and large, God, move every last trace of this issue related to COVID. We thank you, Father, for your name is great. It's a wonderful name. We appreciate your name. In Jesus' mighty and precious name. We pray, Father, that you, O oh Lord God, would hear us from this place and deliver us in Jesus' mighty name. And once again, Lord, we believe in our positivity. We believe that you will do all that we've asked. And we know that you are transforming our minds. You're transforming our lives, which ultimately leads to us knowing what you want for us. Transform us from the inside out. May none of us leave this place, Lord God, and feel downtrodden, and feel like we are at risk in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Finally, Father, I just pray over all your people today. I pray, Father, for their protection. I pray, Father, for you to watch over their families. I pray, Father, for you to guard their minds from all the influences of the outside world, Lord God, and everything that can hurt a young person, hurt uh, an elderly person, hurt a middle-aged person, affect children, affect anybody, Lord God. We just pray, oh, Lord God, that you would protect us from the evil one, Lord God, and that you would keep our minds safe and secure. The Word of God says the mind is a battlefield, but Heavenly Father, the battle has been won by Christ, and by his stripes we're healed mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You strengthen us, God. And the spirit of anxiety that wants to loom over people or fear, Heavenly Father, any type of, type of crookedness in any way, shape, or form is destroyed. We bind the works of the devil in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our minds. In Jesus' mighty name, we plead your blood. Amen.